Joan Breibart, Episode 8, Body Conversations. Exercise, exercise. Let's not and say we did. Which is probably what most people think and feel and wish for. But exercise is viewed as universally beneficial, great, the solution to a million problems, etc., etc. That's not true of diet. People have always talked about fad diets and uh, how people don't stay on diets and what's good about diets, what's bad about diets, whatever, but not exercise. Exercise has been viewed as just something that anybody can do anywhere. You don't need to go to a health club or a boutique or have a trainer. You just can exercise. Strangely, when people didn't exercise, they actually didn't. The term working out would have been just a a laugh, a joke. And I'm referring to my parents' generation, which was the great generation, the one that went through the Depression and won World War II. Those people did not need hip replacements or knee replacements or meniscus repairs and They didn't constantly need to go to a chiropractor or massage therapist because they were always in pain and everything was falling apart, including their arches. And so it's obvious that exercise is is mixed, right? And one of the things that's very hard to understand is that it's always, always tainted because it has been sold really as a result of obesity and its supposed um, ability to reduce weight, to get rid of fat, to do all sorts of things that it really doesn't do. And all of these numbers you see on bikes and treadmills and uh, exercise routines that are constantly telling you you can 800 calories and whatever are really frauds and and people should uh, react against them. Uh, The companies are getting away with murder. Um, In fact, some of it is murder. And people themselves really have to take charge because uh, it's in their heads that exercise is going to make them thinner. And it's not. In fact, One of the strange things about exercise, as a person who's never been on diet, never needed to be on diet, who's considered to be thin, who used to be underweight, is that exercise seems to work if you don't need to lose weight, right? It seems to make you even leaner, which may not be beneficial, but still it seems to. But when you have uh, extra weight, and, and we're not going to be talking about 10, 15, 20 pounds, doesn't even exist, nobody even knows it. Um, I mean, people are what is known as obese, but no one says it, they're big, right? Um, but these are people whose waistline is 35 inches. 35 inches, now, obviously, that's not even considered big anymore, but that's the standard. Let's not talk about the stupid BMI which the CDC um, rigged so that people could keep buying and not feel bad about themselves. Obviously, other countries use the BMI, but it's not with our numbers. So 
We forget the BMI. If we went back to the ham way, people would just kill themselves um, because they would find out that, you know, people they think are not fat, including themselves, are very fat. But so you have a 35-inch waistline, you're obese. That is the term. You are obese. Now you want to change your body. So, of course, maybe the first thing you do is diet. And we know that that's going to last two or three weeks. Um, and then you start at the same time to torch those calories with exercise. And every single second on the web or in some magazine like, the you know, Self and Shape and whatever, um, you have routines that are just, you know, going to do it for you, right? The interesting thing is the New York Times. You would think that they would be above this, but they have an entire group of exercise crazies like Gina Colada and Gretchen Reynolds, total exercise junkies. And this is the, uh, the, the newspaper that gave us um, the seven-minute workout. Remember that one? That was, I don't know, six years ago, and everyone thought, oh, we only need to do seven minutes. Of course, it was more than that, but it seemed like that was it. And it was, these were the most ordinary jumping jacks and push-ups and planks and squats I mean, that anybody knew, right? And you just had to do them and it, miracles would happen, right? But last week, and I think it was um, reprinted in Cell for Shape, the New York Times came up with a new study which showed that someone to make exercise work for weight loss had to exercise six full hours a week. Right. Well, I think well, they're saying, well, COVID. And I mean, of course, you know that people who are affluent and are theoretically working from home and it's easy for them. Um, of course, it's easy for them. It's not good for business. It's not good for the economy. It's horrible. But they seem to have so much time because they're not commuting. They're not eating in restaurants, whatever. So, OK, let's now come back with six hours so they can do it. And of course, that's all they're really speaking to. They're not speaking to the people who um, are working two jobs if they're lucky, right? They're speaking to people who have jobs that are mostly, though they're very well paid, bullshit. Some of it doesn't even rise to that. It's what I call chicken shit. And there's a book called Bullshit Jobs that everyone should read. And these jobs will uh, be impacted negatively as uh, the economy unravels. Of course, as you know, first it's going to go through this heady, heady phase. It'll be like the roaring 20s, but you know how that ended. Okay, so exercise. It can be very beneficial. I'm in the exercise business. I'm the person who put Pilates on the map, and that began in 1991. I had started to do it in um, the 60s. I was an exercise virgin, Really? So, you know, after six weeks, there was a change in my body, not that my body needed to change. I was five foot six and weighed 109, but it was changed in terms of some dimension. But of course, Pilates couldn't get going because everything was going to be torching calories. So what's the problem now? The problem is that almost everybody in America is fat. And by that, I mean obese. And all of this 
moving strenuously, strenuously to torch these calories, creating obviously injuries and, and problems with joints, just moving that kind of weight. There's the elevated cortisol. Cortisol is one of these hormones that is supposed to uh, rise and then drop, but when you're obese and you're doing this, it doesn't drop, and that means that you're going to gain weight. You're going to be hungry all the time. There's all this stuff with free radicals, too complicated for me to even understand, and yet it's not positive for your health. But then, of course, there's the next thing which they're covering up now, which is the cytokine or skin uh, storm, cytokine storm, I think that's what it is, where people get COVID and people who are marathon runners. Are you like me when you see people gathering for a marathon and beginning to run that you think immediately, who are they running from? Because there's nothing good about running. Nothing. It seems like it would be great and it's natural and people in Africa did it thousands of years ago, but we're not uh, thousands of years ago in Africa. So anyway, um, so people like that who overexercise, exercise maniacs, if they get COVID, they often have their immune system as sort of attack them. And instead of getting better, they get worse. So that's another aspect of exercise no one even thought about until COVID. But we want to push aside all the um, injuries and pain and painkillers that people take because it's good for business. Um, and people will pretend that they're doing, they're doing what they're supposed to do because it's, it's totally, uh, committed and universal and no one disagrees with it. And that is eat healthy, which um, people also hear eat less and exercise more or move, move more. Well, the truth is that since we have a big problem with English, it's become almost the second language in this country um, and no one knows grammar. Eat less means in the, the reality of it is eat more eat more bites quantity because eating less is not less quantity. It's more quantity and fewer calories. And that's what healthy is too. So eating vegetables and fruits and things that are healthy, because I guess you get vitamins and minerals, right? Which of course you can get in a vitamin pill. Um, that means you will consume more quantity and we know that that now will stretch your stomach container and upset the hormones. And then when you binge, uh, you will binge and it'll be um, a much bigger binge. But let's stop for a minute. I recently spoke to uh, a psychologist who deals in eating disorders and found out now we're up to four. I was really only thinking that we're three, which is you know, the traditional anorexia, bulimia, and now the one we created, orthorexia, which is so sick, it's incredible. People obsessed with every bite, though they don't know what a bite is, um, and worrying whether it's healthy when a billion people are starving in the world. But now we have BED, binge eating disorder, which really, of course, 
shouldn't be considered an eating disorder because that's what people do. That's how they get to be fat. Which brings me to a fabulous article that was in Medium, surprisingly in Medium, written by a woman who I think is a registered dietitian or nutritionist. And I didn't think anyone knew about this man from Scotland who was born in, I think, 1934. And who at the age of 27 checked himself into a hospital at 495 pounds. He was going to die. Um, and he wanted to fast for a month. And the hospital agreed to take care of him and monitor him. Of course, he had some fluids like water and coffee and occasionally milk and, of course, vitamin pills. And after a month, what happened, I think it even surprised the doctors, though it shouldn't have been. I mean, how do people survive famines and concentration camps? He had lost his appetite, the ghrelin, that um, hormone that makes you hungry, along with cortisol, was not active and he wasn't hungry. So he said, let's go another month. Well, anyway, he went for a year. He lost hundreds of pounds. They monitored him. There were no negative effects. Um, they thought there would be, but there weren't. And he got into the Guinness Book of World Records. It's hard to believe. Of course, later on, Guinness said they'll never do that again. I mean, they didn't want to glorify um, fasting. And of course, we shouldn't ourselves. I mean, it's the worst thing for the economy. You can imagine if people actually took up fasting now, which brings me to intermittent fasting. And again, all these weirdo eating programs are problematic because of exercise. So be one thing if you were fasting as this man did, and I'm sure he barely moved. Well, how could he move at almost 500 pounds? But anyway, now you're fasting and you're doing intermittent fasting. But of course, that's not fasting. That is not eating anything and then binging. Not eating, then binging. It's just that the window of binging or overeating, let's say overeating, because you're eating healthy, so overeating is fine. It doesn't even exist. As long as it's healthy, because you're told to eat healthy. It's just that they're limiting the window. Right, because now we have people, adult people, uh, snacking all day long. My generation, certainly the great generation, um, snacking. I mean, it's something for toddlers, obviously. Um, no adults would snack. So, um, exercise. Exercise can be very beneficial, but if you're using it today to lose weight. You need to be extremely careful. You do not want to do any strenuous exercise. Um, you want to try to move and stretch. And remember, one of the interesting things they're now finding about obesity is that there's an increase in estrogen, which means, and then of course the weight, which means that it impacts your ligaments and then they're more vulnerable to stretch which means you may be more flexible, but you also become more unstable, and that's not a good combination. So again, it's just so much more complicated than anyone thought. And somebody who's obese to doing jumping jacks and burpees and planks and whatever, and pushing and sweating and put, uh, sweating, of course, sweating is the most important thing. It's now incorporated in the names of workouts, the sweat workout or whatever. 
is because people feel when they're sweating, they're torching calories, which they're not, but then the sweating makes them feel thinner. I mean, it's, it's really a bunch of nonsense. And when you read Medium, which is the millennial magazine online, you recognize how these people who um, grew up with this wellness world have been affected and how much they believe and how much time is, is taken by their uh, exercise and diet regimens just, you know, just to do them, you know, how much of their, the day is absorbed by this. And of course they don't have much work to do. So I guess they can spend that time, but is that a good way to spend time? So, um, that's it. Um, the Pilates method, I think, is one of the best because it teaches you something that's called proprioception, which is a word that I believe that most fitness instructors don't even know. They don't even know what it is. But, of course, that's probably the most important thing in terms of your body, that you have that kind of body awareness. You know where you are in space because then you can be attuned to your posture. So here's a typical scenario. I see it all the time. In my building, in my gym, there are four Peloton bikes. So I see people going nuts with Peloton. And then they sit for hours with one leg crossed over the other at their computer, hunched over the computer. It's, a, it, you know, there's no connection. There's no connection in moving your body on a bike to doing something else because they don't learn anything. But, you know, again, think about why Peloton is so important now. And there's no answer to that question other than people are suckers for marketing. I remember when spinning was launched in 1996 and people couldn't believe it because there were jokes about how exercise bikes, which people bought, were uh, sitting in their bedroom and the great clothes hangers. But they put this bike together, had a great name, uh, lowered the lights, put some candles on, and it became a body-mind meditative exercise. And people bought it. And they started doing it and getting certified. It was huge business. And then others, spin-offs, sorry for the pun, um, you know, ride and bike and cycle and all those came and flop flywheel and soul cycle. I mean, it's hard to believe people would do this and think it was any different. And now of course, Peloton. So what it is, it would be the, probably that would be the most interesting thing to find out is how do people not see the similarity, not see that what they're doing is a repetitive, continuous um, movement that is really not beneficial. You know, doesn't you might do it once or twice a week, but this is becomes their exercise, and of course, you know they get called out by the trainer. That's a what's a word leader. I don't know what word you call these people. Anyway, um, though I have to tell you, I did a um, a peloton. I mean, I really didn't do most of the movement. I just sort of sat there and watched it. And the uh, leader, trainer, instructor, whatever you want to call it, these people get paid a fortune of money. I don't know if you know this. I, I hear it's like $150, $175 to give one of these classes. 
hard to believe. Anyway, um, she was attractive. They're not all attractive, surprisingly. And she could smile. I mean, she smiled the entire time that she said things, talked, did it, stood up and whatever. And I tried to imitate that. I tried to keep my face in that huge smile. And after, you know, a minute or two, my cheekbones started to hurt me. But that's what attracts people, apparently, that this woman with this horribly artificial smile while she's doing something that's rigorous, though I guess it's not to her after all this time, is motivating you, right? So people need to um, step back from this calorie burning when it comes to exercise and start to learn about, you know, his or her own, her own body and, and find things that feel good and that may be a, a bit um, more movement or exercise as you get better at certain positions or sequences. But it, it's not to beat up your body. It's not to run marathons and whatever. I mean, everyone knows, every dancer, every athlete is in pain and has injuries. They're sacrificing their body for art or for money or for fame or something. But that's not what regular people should aspire to because uh, they don't even have as good a body to start with. So their injuries are going to be even worse. It's not going to do anything about weight loss. In fact, it may even impede weight loss. And these are the things that um, they have to find out on their own because the, the, the powers, the government, the media, and all these businesses will never let them know. It's a lot like the drug wars. We, we had a decision 50 years ago about drugs. We made the wrong decision, but we never wanted to admit it. And now we see that because of money and maybe a change in public opinion, we're going to change that decision without ever really admitting it was a mistake and all the uh, damage it caused to people, their families, their lives, society, the, uh, our relationship with uh, Mexico and Colombia. I mean, it just was the stupidest, stupidest thing. And remember, since we're exceptional, we don't have to ever admit that we made a mistake. Well, we've made a mistake with exercise. It can be very beneficial, but it's not going to get people to a thin size. It's not going to torch calories. It's only going to make people have another thing that they feel fails them. And then they can't do what they really have to do, which is close your mouth sooner and open it less often. Bye-bye.